Hello again, and welcome to the Planet Beyond podcast, brought to you by Fugro, the leading provider of geodata from the greatest subsea depths right to outer space, and hosted by me, John Baston Pitt. You will recall a conversation we shared back in January this year with Mark Bruce. During that conversation, Mark mentioned a word that I'd not heard before. It got my attention. Robotarium. I wanted to dive deeper. We learned that this was part of the smart solution to address a looming crisis in the offshore inspection capacity. But I sensed there was more remarkable stories to uncover, more to learn from people making a difference. In this episode, we talk to Professor Ivan Pertelou, Joint Academic Lead of the National Robotarium, and we're joined once again by Mark, Mark Bruce from Fugro, the product owner for Next Generation ROV Systems, to bring us up to speed on the, on the very latest practical development and deployment of these innovative technologies. We'll kick off with you, Ivan, if we may. Welcome to the Planet Beyond podcast. Thank you very much for having me on. You're very welcome. Can we start maybe with some background? Maybe maybe the scope of your research over the last, say, 20 years? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm a professor of robotics at Aratwat University, and I've been doing marine robotics ever since I joined Aratwat University. And my first job was really to look at trying to do obstacle avoidance systems for underwater vehicles. And then I moved on to to looking at identifying what was on the seabed and developing smart solutions for underwater robots that make them more autonomous. So what, what has been driving me is trying to bring autonomy where we currently have teleoperation and to try to make sure that we have the tools to explore, maintain, but also exploit the marine environment. Could you tell me a little bit about the National Robotarium, where you've been working recently, for example? And, well, what is a robotarium? Okay, so the the National Robotarium is a new research institute that we created with Aerotwatt University and the University of Edinburgh. And it's quite a unique research institute in the UK because it was created with innovation in mind. And so the, the one of the main aims of the institute is to work closely with industry and to make sure that robotics in general, in all, all walks of life, is becoming more prevalent in the UK industry and helps productivity security, safety, and the environment. So we have various areas we're working on, and marine is one of the the prominent ones at the moment. And the marine environment is a real challenging one to work in, isn't it? What are the real pain points there? So the real pain is the underwater domain is difficult to work with. A lot of my colleagues who started working in the underwater environment have moved on to other environments, and they've told me it's too difficult. And it's difficult for a lot of reasons. 
is difficult because uh, electromagnetic waves don't transmit underwater. So you can forget about GPS, you can forget about high-speed high transmissions of data, you can forget about any form of radar electro-optics uh, signaling and sensing. So you're down to going back to what nature does underwater when they want to send, they use sonar. And sonar is using acoustic waves. They're very slow in terms of propagation compared to electromagnetic waves. So you're talking 1,300 meters per 1,500 meters per second in water compared to 300,000 kilometers per second for photons. So that's a big difference, isn't it? It's a huge difference. So we use acoustics for communication. We have very low bandwidth. So we're talking of gigabit internet now. In the underwater world, if you get a kilobit per second, you're happy. So it's... Wow. Uh, <laughs> So, so, so that, that forces you, if you want to go somewhere without a cable, that's forcing you to, to embed autonomy into the systems. And you need to do that with sensors that are very limited because you have acoustics, which is low bandwidth, uh, and you have vision, but vision underwater can be very, uh, very flaky. Some days you're going to see very far, some days you're going to see your hand. And someday you're not even going to see your hand. So you can't rely on vision all the time. And so you have a lot of my work has been done using acoustics and sonars because that, that is the main sensor that can be used subsea. So what I've been focusing on more recently is to say, okay, if we can do inspection, what, what else do we need? And I think for intervention, which is really what we need to bring to the table, if we want to do autonomous intervention, we can't use sonar, it's too crude. We need to go back to vision systems. So over the last five years, we've been developing solutions around vision systems, which enables you to autonomously inspect at the moment and hopefully intervene on structures using a, a, a clever vision system. As well as the challenges of sensing and transmitting data offshore, there are some real practical challenges to developing your research, aren't there? Any equipment you need to, to, to cost a lot of money. The expertise to put things together, subsea, I mean, it's, 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 you, each time you use an equipment, you have to put in the pressure vessel. You want to make sure it doesn't leak. You have to pressure test it. I mean, the, 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 env the environment is very corrosive. Uh, you go very deep, so you've got high pressure. So it, it's, it's a big investment in equipment, in know-how, and also, yeah, it's not something you, you need. You need a capital investment, which is quite significant to, to get to play. Yeah. Being able to collaborate with industry must help with some of those tools you need. And indeed, with the investment that all research needs. Now, Mark, we last heard from you in January for a, a Planet Beyond Short on deploying remotely operated vehicles or ROVs from uncrewed vessels. You and Ivan have just, well, successfully completed, I'll say, a, a demonstration project where Ivan's autonomous system was used with a, a Fugro ROV for a client in the North Sea. How did you get involved with that program? Thanks again for having me on. I think what Ivan says is, you know, he can relate quite a lot to because I think 
with, with my background, I worked um, about 15 years offshore with um, ROVs, eight of which I was with Fugro when I first started my career after my degree in robotics. And um, we, we used to see different companies looking at doing autonomous vehicles and, and working uncrewed without operators offshore. It, it was always seen as, oh, it can't be done. It'll never happen. I'll be long retired before we're doing this. You know, it, it's decades away with the sort of comments that, you know, you, you would hear. And mm. and now, you know, right across Fugro, you know, globally, we're, we're, we're doing this and we're trying it. And we're not only doing remote operations, but, you know, we're, we're working with the likes of the National Robotarium to move to the next stage, which will really be the differentiators to, to reduce our risk through autonomy. So we, we understand that, that that's an important feature that we need to do. I know it means a lot to you personally to, to move away from crude offshore work. Why is that so important? I've certainly been quite a few hairy crew changes offshore when we've been, you know, if you're talking about how to get to some of these platforms in West Africa, by the time you get there, you're talking about three days of traveling because I think one of the one of the last jobs I did before I finally came on shore, we were in offshore Congo and it was a six hour speedboat after a long haul flight. And sometimes uh, you would get to the platform and it wasn't safe enough to make that jump onto the ladder and come up onto the platform that you actually had to come all the way back again. So that was 12 hours on, on a pretty brutal speedboat with multiple people on the crew being sick throughout the, the transit. And this is just to get to your place of work. When we were working up in Orkney, quite regularly spend an hour and a half, 19 people squeezed into a chopper so that we could then find out that it was too too foggy to land on the rig and we needed to turn trip and have an overnight in Shetland and try again the next day. I think many of us who've worked around the offshore industry have seen how demanding working at sea can be. The North Sea industry has done a lot, hasn't it, to, to make people safer, but risk is never far away. But there is another important reason why we need to move away from crude work offshore, isn't there? I think um, one of the challenges that we have is the amount of wind farms that we see, the, the, the sort of exponential increase of renewables that's popping up and assets that are going to need to be monitored. We're probably looking at, instead of hundreds of assets, it's tens of thousands potentially over the next 10 years. A lot of the new wind farm will be floating and there's very little uh, experience in in de deploying those 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 wind turbines so i think especially in the early years they're going to need to be inspected almost every year just to check what's going on and there are real environmental concerns we need to think about here uncrewed surface vessels usvs are key to hitting net zero none of the clients in offshore wind are going to meet their net zero goals if we're bringing in huge conventional vessels to to do, to do the work. So USVs and remote operations has to be the future for offshore wind um, because it ties in directly to the, the client's commitments and the governmental commitments that we're going to move to net zero. With Fugro now doing this right across the, the global, all of our global regions with multiple USVs and ROVs entering the market with uh, our goal of moving away from a conventional way of working on crude vessels, which means no more operators working on platforms and rigs, and we'll be moving to no more helicopters, no more long speedboat crew changes. And this is a goal that 
really drives me because you know I've experienced that through years of working offshore and um, being able to ensure that we develop the best possible products to achieve Fugro's overall net zero 2035 goals and reducing personnel at sea and the, and the risk to people really is something that's quite important to myself. The project you're working on together will help reach those net zero goals and keep people away from risks at sea. Could you tell us a bit more about your, your, what you're trying to achieve and, and the challenges you face? Yeah, it's, it's really exciting to be part of. And I think um, the amount of inspection work that's, that's going to be going on, you know, the wind farms are popping up, you know, all, all over the place. Finding a sort of faster, safer way of doing this so that we're going to be able to sustainably monitor that the the client's assets means that we need to come with a, a bit of the out of the box thinking as to how we can resolve the sort of challenges that we have with remote operations. Yeah, just t- touching on the the challenges that we have in remote operations that Ivan's e- team can help us with is you know we have lat- latency to overcome on the USVs. You know, so the operator isn't seeing things in real time like it's used to. Sometimes, you know, it might be quite low latency, but at times it could be over a second. And that can be the difference between bumping into a, a structure and, yeah. a, and not bumping into a structure. So if we've got safety protocols in place and we've got a, a level of autonomy that saves the vehicle from that impact, then the, the value to fuel grow is immense. What is the impact of that? How, how is that different it's it's a totally different way of working because if we if we even if we just knock say a, a sensor a little bit on on one of our ROVs, it's not a case of just pulling it to surface and quickly realigning it, and then and going back into the water. It, it could be a case of a, a, a six-hour sail back to port, you know, waiting on vessel traffic to get back into port and then going back out again. So we we could lose two days of of vessel time for something that traditionally in the conventional fleet might have cost them thirty minutes to fix. So it's it's so important that we we concentrate and collaborate with the likes of the National Robotarium to, to de-risk the chances of these things happening. When I started, I worked on fully autonomous systems. And fully autonomous systems were basically you pre-programmed them. They had a bit of embedded intelligence. Lots of behaviors that would kick in in case of emergency. And you would send a vehicle and then you would, if you were lucky, you could monitor it every 10 minutes, we send you a message saying, I'm doing this, or I'm here on the mission, I'm, I'm okay. And some cases, you would completely lose comps because the, the, the acoustics was bad and you would pray that it would come back at the end of the mission. I think the beauty about what Fugro is trying to do is that with the, an autonomous vessel, surface vessel, deploying an ROV, then you, you don't have to do everything autonomously day one. Because one of the problems when bringing autonomy is people say, can you, can my, can your system do everything? And you go, of course it can't. It's, it's, it's not as smart as a human ever going to be. And that's not going to happen in our lifetime is my belief. Uh, but it, it can do things for you, which are really useful in terms around safety. So effectively it's having a smart ROV. So the ROV can be teleoperated when you need to, when the, the vehicle is not capable of doing the, the thing autonomously. But if there's a breakdown in comms or something's happening the human can't deal with, like a big current, and you know, then then the, the the smart bit can take control and keep the vehicle safe. It's very easy to take for granted the steps that you've 
jointly taken to put a demonstration together. Isn't it the case that those early steps together can be very difficult in terms of getting the finance, getting the joint thinking behind it aligned? Just take us through some of those moments. Well, I mean, it's been five years in the making. And Fugro joined in, I think, maybe two years in the project. And we had just discussion saying, and Fugro were quite open, showing showing us their roadmap and said, that's where we want to be in five, 10, 20 years. And, and we looked at that and we said, well, that maps our roadmap of where we want the research to go. Yeah, it's so, very well complemented each other, isn't it, Ivan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're looking at the big problems we've got and the client deliverable and how we can achieve that. And you bring in this sort of research and development very focused on what the solution could look like and we basically bring the problems. And then yeah. Yeah, working together, we can accelerate and actually, like you say, get out to sea and actually test these things. And the magic of that is, I mean, I can't afford any of the kit that Fugro's got. I mean, I can't afford a 12-meter ship, autonomous ship, with a crew, and the ROV that goes with it, and all the integration, and all the engineering. I mean, that's way beyond the budget we have. But what we can do is, and, and that's what's great with autonomy and smart systems, and, and the development, the recent development in really, people call it AI, but it's, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's artificial intelligence, but not just artificial intelligence. I think it's, it's uh, smart computing and embedded computing is that you can you can actually develop the algorithm on a very small system and the problem is the same and you move it to a bigger system and and actually the transition is quite smooth when we moved our system onto onto Fugro's ROV it was probably a week of work wow so how has this demonstration gone so far so, even so, I'll, I'll try and paint a bit of a picture because I mean it's not all about the actual sea trial that we're we're doing it's it's the background behind that so, okay. you know yeah we we've had um we've had Ivan's team across I think there was four members of his engineering team came across to our innovation group in in the in the Netherlands and we had their system we got two systems together we they brought their hardware the software package and we fitted it onto our test vehicle and and then basically we proved that the two systems were compatible and did some sort of light testing there and then you know, we sat down afterwards and we thought, right, the, the next stage for us is to get our commercial vehicle, which is our, our Blue Volta electric ROV. You know, we, we need to get that to them now and, and test it in their environment because they've, they've got a state-of-the-art um, wave tank that's um, m- much bigger than ours, actually. I mean, Ivan boasts about the, the fact that we've got the USV, but their actual test facilities are, are, are brilliant and, you know, quite, quite jealous of their test facilities. But no, it was really good. So we, we got our system across there and we, we tested it on the commercial vehicle because that's the natural next, next step, not doing it on a prototype vehicle, but doing it on the commercial asset. And then it was all about then looking for an opportunity, where could it fit in with the commercial teams or the regions to, to, to select basically a, a, a testing platform to do that still worked in within Fugro's sort of commercial schedule for the vessel. So we, we've managed to do that just now. And um, after a couple of false starts last year when we thought we had a, a window of opportunity, either the North Sea weather got in our way or our schedules moved a little bit. But we've, we've managed to, currently this week, we've got the, the Fugro Orca, which is our USV that's working in the North Sea sector. 
It's currently out in the North Sea with the Robotarium's autonomy package camera system fitted to it, and we're we're, we're testing how how far we can push the limits of it in really what's quite challenging conditions. It doesn't help that we've just been, you know, battered with snow this last week, and then the sea conditions are quite choppy, and we're currently seeing around one and a half knots subsea. But the, the system is is working. You know that they're. they're they're trying different things they're, they're trying to push you know what we can do with it the image enhancement feature that we saw spoke about it is going to be key going forward because all these wind farms are popping up they're near shore they're in high current areas which needs a level of autonomy for us to be able to operate safely in and the image enhancement feature real-time image enhancement is, is going to be key to that because a lot of the time we lose a lot of vessel time just waiting on visibility so we can get actually uh, monitor the client's assets. Um, if we're able to reduce that through through use so of their their systems, then that, that's going to be a, a huge benefit to Figro and create a bit of a differentiator to us in the market. And, and for us, it's really important because when we develop our solution, we've got a nice beef tank, but it's a, it's a nice shiny, I mean, it's a good visibility, we can try things, we, it works really well, we can repeat, we can stress test the system. And then we go offshore and we encounter a condition we've never been met before. And we go, aha. Uh, in terms of the trials today, I've just had a video <laughs> as we were speaking, I had the ping <laughs> on my phone. We love the team. We love uh... News from, which the, is... from the team offshore, and I, I mean, I've, I've just watched it very quickly. It looks like the system is now working as we speak. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it looks no, like I think it's, it's important to mention that, Ivan, when you're talking about the team offshore, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about the USV, the vessels offshore, but your team are currently sitting in, in the Aberdeen Remote Operations Center, many miles away from where the assets actually work in. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a key point that, like they say, we're not only testing autonomy, but we're doing it all remotely as well, all controlled from a remote operations center in Aberdeen. What I'm hearing is a story of harmonious, effective collaboration where, where, where two different stakeholders each play out their role to the full and neither of the group's goals are dominating the other. And, and yes, Fugro here has a goal to presumably commercialise a product and help the industry achieve its goals. But equally, there's another stakeholder here who wants time out to be able to think about this, re-evaluate it. Ivan, I think you even said sometimes it's necessary to rethink what, what you've been doing for the last two years. That's a big, bold, hairy step, isn't it? And, and a test of the relationship. Yeah, because, I mean, what you're trying to do is quite difficult because researchers are evaluated technically on how many papers they publish. Mm. And it's much easier to publish a paper in nice visibility water where you have a system that works really well and you can demonstrate fantastic autonomy, then go, right, I'm going to try to tackle a problem where visibility is low, there's lots of currents, and to get the paper out in those conditions, maybe you're going to get one every two years as opposed to one every six months. 
<laughs> if you're using benign conditions, because you can do so much more when, when the, the, the environmental is controlled. The real impact of the research is going to be when you can work offshore. And so I'm, I'm, I'm determined that, that that's what we're going to do, because we can still do the work in the tank and uh, if we have to, and, and we can still deliver the papers. But I think it's important to try to make sure that what we do will work for real. What's the next step for collaboration? I know you've recently received funding from the UK government's Prosperity Partnerships Programme, which funds, I think, pilot and startup projects. So it's not something they need tomorrow, something they need in the next five to ten years. And uh, we've just been awarding one with Fugro, and that that will go towards the next level, which is intervention. Mm. So looking at robots, ROV with robotic arms, that can do some of the some of the tasks autonomously. And again, we're not going to try to to have a full all singing or dancing system where the way you press a button, the vehicle goes and does everything autonomously. I think we're going to start by being able to stabilize the vehicle, being able to optimize the position of the vehicle so the robotic arm can be used op- optimally. Yeah. Uh, what happens when you want to teleoperate and there's bandwidth issue or time delays in the system? Uh, so all of these problems we'll try to solve first. And then by the end of it, we might start looking at the full autonomy. Yeah, I think, Ivan, just to one of the points there, you obviously said we're working on things that companies want to implement for the next five, ten years. And we're maybe talking about the, the, our, our final sort of dream solution where the system's fully, fully autonomous and the operator's only really there to keep an eye on things. But I think, you know, we, we expect to be having commercial value out of the, the autonomy packages through the Robotarium during the course of, you know, this year and, and into early next year, you know, it might not be all of the features on it. We might focus on certain parts of it, but I still think that there's going to be huge value there to sort of keep making those small increments, you know, continuously deliver small bits of autonomy between our collaboration because it will never be a single jump into like, here's a polished solution. It'll be, it'll go through learning and there'll be different stages of it. So quite excited to see that on our vehicles, you know, this season. Absolutely. And I think that's the work that came out of the work we did three or four years ago. I mean, three, two, three years ago. So there's always a gap, I think. You do the research and it takes two or three years to mature into something. You think, oh, yeah, I've got something and it's quite stable and quite robust. Then it probably takes a couple of years to integrate with a company and test. And so we're at that stage with all the inspection and the autonomy around navigation and inspection. The next step with manipulation, I think, will be there in four or five years' time. If you were to sit back and give your thoughts to other businesses on how best to emulate what you guys have done, what words would you share with these companies? I'm seeing a group collaborating very closely over a period of time, following a similar path. But but there will be, obviously, challenges along that path. And others will be listening to this and and thinking, well, we should be adopting a similar approach. What advice might you share with them? I think openness. You need to be quite open. And and that requires trust. Mm. 
So you need to build trust and you need to be quite open about what you're trying to achieve to make sure there's good alignment. Because if there's no alignment from the beginning, it's going to be very difficult, I think. So you need you need the alignment, you need the trust. And probably start small initially to build the trust. So you don't you don't you know don't ask, don't shoot for the moon, shoot for something that's achievable, demonstrate it, show the value. And then once you've shown the value, the rest of the management, both of the university and the the, the companies and the, the will will align behind that. Mm. And then you and then you can grow on that. But I think I think trust is the key to me. I think yeah. we, we, we established a trust. Uh, we have we have a good working relationship. We know we can trust each other. And that means you can be completely open about the problems and the difficulties internally. Yeah, there's no uh, surprises that there. We know where we're both at, Ivan, you know, and yeah. I think that the key point you're making there that's always driven to me as, as a product manager is is, is unlocking the, that, that key value, you know, what's the little lockets of value that we're unlocking through each stages of the journey. And like you say, that, that helps with the, you know, the, the upper management and the business, you know, they can they can see, okay, it's not just a pipe dream, it's not just a goal, they've actually they've actually de-risked a project via the you know this feature and then and then you can work on continuous delivery to be able to unlock value to to the sales as we grow but also then drives the the engineers and the research and developers because they're seeing parts of their system now being implemented and making a difference in the working environment i take what you both say that you've got to keep working on that relationship but do you get a sense that if your collaborative efforts have got you in into this sweet spot, other opportunities open up and it just gets more and more rewarding, mutually beneficial? It's quite rare, actually, in my experience. I mean, over the last 20 years, I mean, I've, I've, I've not had that many strong, deep collaboration with industry to the level we've had with Fugro. And it's quite rare to see such alignment, uh, both on the on both sides, and um, and especially in Fugro to have the the somebody like Mark, which is a project own, product owner with the engineers, with the chief scientist, saying mm. all together we need to move into that direction. Mm. I mean that that's quite unique, and I think that's uh, that's a credit to Fugro to 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 have this alignment internally that helps really really helps us move move in the right direction quickly. Like uh, John says, actually, it almost needs a little bit of nurturing and control because it can almost get carried away. Sometimes when we've had these meetings and we've been in the rooms, so like you say, a lot of innovative and forward thinking people, you know, like, oh, well, we could do this. You know, we could also do this and oh, we could also try and implement this, you know, that's try and take on so many different things that it does need that sort of, you know, that's, that's where my role comes in. I've got to think, well, what, what's the biggest value? What's the biggest problem? Go back to what, what problems are we solving out offshore for, for the operators? Because if you give an academic a problem, it's going to grow into uh, lots of different problems. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I think Mark is actually the, the voice of reason here saying, guys, yeah, we could do all of this. But really what we need for the business is this. Can you just focus on that for the next year? Let's get this to work and then move on to the next interesting problem. And I'm okay with that. Wonderful, wonderful. What I hear here, it's a it's about remarkable teamwork. 
Relationships which create amazing things. We heard about a task that actually matters. This autonomous inspection path is essential to support all those offshore turbines that we're constructing. But I'm also looking at two people, two individuals here, who incidentally both have huge smiles on their faces, and I'm, and I'm reading the subtext. You're enjoying your jobs, aren't you? This is a career that is personally very, very rewarding. And you put all those three things together, remarkable teamwork, meaningful tasks, and motivated people, and you've really got, as I mentioned before, a sweet spot, which is going to make the difference. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and inspiring stories today. Thank you, John. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fascinating to hear how Ivan and Mark are working together, sharing their passion for robotics and, and their expertise offshore. When we spoke, the demonstration project was still underway and, and the team was facing some challenges. As we were preparing the episode, Mark got back in touch with an update. He was out when we spoke, so the sound quality isn't great. But the news he had to share was. So recently we've completed our first autonomous demonstration for our client offshore. This was done just outside Aberdeen at a wind farm and it was great to see the two companies Fugro and National Robotarium's control systems come together and work to enable this autonomous inspection. Uh, it was definitely the first stage, it's a building block but I think that working closely together it will be a good platform for bringing value to our clients moving forward. It's wonderful to see the progress the National Robotarium and Fugrove made. As I always say, be safe, be remarkable, be the difference. <laughs>